guests and you're in from out of town, we just uh, so appreciate that you took part of your Thanksgiving weekend to, uh, to be with us. It is what an honor to have you with us. And I know we've got a whole lot of folks out traveling and we just pr- pray blessings on them as they are traveling back home and we just want them all protected. But if this is your first time with us, then uh, you'll find this nice little pamphlet-looking thing in your cup holder, and uh, we call it a bulletin. And I appreciate it. If you would get that in, in it, you'll find all sorts of good information on the back about what's going on and who we are and some of what we believe. On the inside, you'll find some notes so you can follow along as we're talking about um, in, uh, rolling through the Scriptures today. But one of the important things is there's a little flap, this little thing all by itself, and it's perforated, and you can pull it off. And if this is your first time with us, I would really appreciate it if you would fill this little thing out. And on your way out, there will be some really nice people who are going to have some popcorn boxes, and they're going to want to trade a popcorn box for you. They're going to play Let's Make a Deal, and I suggest you take it, that you take this little card and you trade it for the popcorn box. Because uh, on the inside of it, you're going to have a little bit of information about us and... Uh, point you to our website and all of that kind of fun stuff and then there's going to be some some microwave popcorn so you can have some uh, some snacks and also a little five dollar sonic card so that you can enjoy some uh, sonic drinks my wife is a big fan of sonic we we keep keep sonic cups in our house all the time and you can enjoy happy hour from two to four at sonic on us and no they're not an official sponsor that was not a commercial i was just we pay full price for those $5 Sonic cards. <laughs> they ought to give us a deal. We, get, we go through quite a few of them. Uh, anyways, if you'd fill that out, I would appreciate it. Also, on the back of it, there's a place for you to fill out some prayer requests. And if you have uh, some prayer concerns or whatnot, we would appreciate it if you'd let us know so we can pray with you. We care about what's going on in your life and what you care about, and we want to pray with you. And there's also a little box there if you want to share that with the prayer team. If you do not check that box... We do not pass it on. And uh, our prayer team members, are, are that's what they do. They pray with it. It's not the gossip line. It's the prayer line. And so we, uh, and that's, they take that very seriously. But if you want that prayed over, we would really appreciate it if you would do that. Also around here with our, if you uh, just want to um, turn in one of those prayer requests, you can just slide it in to some boxes. There are some boxes on your way out um, that say offering boxes on them. And you can just slide that in the top. That's also the way we do the financial giving around here. We don't pass the the bucket. Um, we do that there. Um, we do very much believe that uh, giving and and celebrating what God has done in our life through giving is an integral part of our worship. That that is a that is an active part of it, and it's a real part of it. So we we provide that uh, access for that every week, and that's done through those boxes. Um, also, we've got a couple of announcements we want to take care of at our info table, and we've redirected it right now. It's happening. There's some nice people scurrying around and putting it up as, as you go out. We, uh, are a, we support missions here. It is very much part of our DNA. It's one of our core five things that we do, and we do support world missions, and it is a, that is a big deal to us, but we also support locally, and one of the... the place we focus our money locally is to house of faith and uh, we very much believe in what they're doing and making disciples of children is a core part of who we are 
um, in, our, in our vision of, of ministering to children, and they do that here in our city. And so we give um, part of our monies, we write a check to them every Monday and get that over to there out of, out of what we do. 10% of all that comes in goes directly into missions automatically. And uh, anyways, we are also supporting them in another way, that they have it where you can kind of adopt one of their students. And there's a little tag out there. The deadline for that is December the 7th. So if you want to participate in that, it costs $20. And all those monies go directly to them, and those go directly into those kids. And that's a way for you to, to do some extra holiday giving. So that will be on the way out, and we want to do that. Also, my wife, who snuck out and is working somewhere right now, is throwing a ladies' Christmas party. My wife loves Christmas. My house is very festive right now. And uh, she, we have too many trees in our house. We literally have six Christmas trees in our house. And uh, she loves Christmas and all the decor. And uh, anyway, so we're having a ladies' Christmas party, and it's a little different, and it's a, it's a pajama Christmas party. So she's reliving some of her youthful days. And, uh, and so uh, you can f- find out more information on the back of your bulletin on that. And then for the men... We're getting together on Tuesday, December the 1st, for lunch. And this week, men, you can just leave your wallets in your pockets. Lunch is on us. And we meet at the Village um, Cafe, Kenny Blanick's Village Cafe over there um, on Beauregard in the Village Shopping Center. And we really encourage all of you men, if you can break away, we will be done about 10 till 1, so you can scurry back to work. Uh, but if you have the opportunity on Tuesday, we would love for you to be able to make that. And um, so there's some other things going on. We have baptisms tonight. This got a lot going on. That's going to be happening. We'll have a special service over at Christian Church of San Angelo. And uh, you can find direction to, to that on the back of the bulletin as well. And that's at 7 o'clock tonight. And if you're interested in baptisms or if your kids are interested in it, please let us know. So we can take care of that. That's tonight. So, awesome. Awesome. Well, cool. Be sure and read the back of your bulletin. It's got lots of good info in it. Well, of course, this was Thanksgiving, and uh, my wife and I are from the Midland, Odessa area, so we got to go back home for the holiday, and it was wonderfully restful. And like I said, I ate way too much pie, and we've already... Dealt with that. It's covered by the blood now, and I'm all right. And uh, anyways, but uh, we had a wonderful time. But being back there reminded me a lot of the stuff, and that's where I, you know, I grew up and had my first job and all that kind of stuff. And I did some summer work, and uh, one of the things I did is I was I worked for a masonry construction company and worked. I mean, it was hard, hard work, and uh, at least it was hard for me and uh, physically demanding work. Well, my boss was real nice to me, and even when they didn't have anything going on, he would find stuff for me to do. And so I learned to, uh, I learned to, to weld during one of those rain days, and also learned that you don't weld in shorts. And so that there's a reason that it's July, and the welders wear things you know, that cover all of their body. It's because you can get a really good sunburn. From welding, and so I, I learned all sorts of good stuff. But one of the, one of those days, they didn't have anything going on. They're out in we were building school gyms at the time. They didn't have anything going on for some reason that day, and so he sent me out to one of his properties 
to clean up. And so I had to, to clean up and I had to knock down a bunch of weeds and make this huge pile of weeds and it was outside of the city limits so I got to burn them. So we made this, I made this huge pile of weeds and of course growing up, at least I don't hear it anymore, but man growing up it was like my generation and my parents, we were afraid of bursting into flames. Because all the time they would tell you what to do if you caught on fire. And what was it? Stop, drop, and roll. Jonathan, have you ever heard stop, drop, and roll? From your dad, probably. He's a fireman. That's the wrong kid. I don't ever hear that anymore. We've quit training. Our children will not know what to do if they catch on fire. We've quit teaching our children what to do. Well, I'd heard that all my life of stop, drop, and roll. While I'm out there working and build this huge mound of weeds and I was given the nice five gallons of gasoline to help the weeds get going and uh, so and it was it was hot so I was out there in my shorts because I always worked in shorts and I took my shirt off because it was hot and uh, so and there in all those weeds were a bunch of mosquitoes so I lathered up and off and got real good and offy to keep that away, keep those away from me. What came time, and I, so I was sweaty, and all the off was on the surface of my skin. And it came time to light the pile of brush. And uh, so I went over there, and I, I was given a, a lighter, just the old regular old cigarette lighter. So I have the lighter, and I throw the the gasoline on there, and I let it set. I knew I didn't want to be on the immediately with the with the fumes. I let it set for a minute. And then I go in to, to light just the edge of it. And uh, as I go, and there was a mattress in there. And that mattress had really soaked up the gas. And uh, so I go to light this pile of brush. And I'm, I'm lighting it, and I've got it. Well, of course, the, the flame licks over my thumb. And as I'm doing that, the flame licks over my thumb and lights the off that's on. And just this flame just whoosh runs up my arm, and about that time, then the, the gas caught, and it just whoosh, flashes. And I just noticed that I am, I'm on fire. And, of course, you'd always heard, stop, drop, and roll, stop, drop, and roll. I'll tell you what, when the heat is on, you do not stop, drop, and roll. I ran like a madman. I just whoosh. And so, and I just took, and bless God, it was, there wasn't anything genuinely combustible. I'm not a hairy man. And so, all was good that way. And it just, it just all burnt off, other than the fact that I wore tall socks back then. They were cool. Tall socks with shorts was cool. And uh, I had my tall sock, and all that stuff had run down into my sock. So my sock was on fire. And I got this nasty big old burn on the back of my leg and uh, I decided man I was just I'm just gonna be tough I got the fire out and I put my bandana on and I finished my job my mom was not impressed with me when I got home (laughs) that I had open wounds and had worked through it but I tell you what that when there are times when we get all of the necessary training but when the heat of life comes we don't necessarily respond the way we thought we ought to respond. It can be drilled into our heads. But then when the boom, when the heat is on, right when we absolutely need that response the worst, so many times we can do the absolute wrong thing. And so as we are sitting here, when we receive Christ, this is not the end 
of the thing. This is, it's not about just stepping over from, from death into life and receiving Christ. This is the beginning of the journey. And so as we are learning to walk with God and allowing Him to, to grow us up, then we now, there's some, the process that we get the opportunity to go through for the rest of our lives as He is taking us from faith to faith, from glory to glory, as He is growing and maturing us up from the inside out. And that process is geared and is driven by a couple of key questions. Around here, we want to make disciples. Around here, we want to make disciples. It's not just about church and doing the Sunday morning thing. We want to make sure that people are growing up in Christ. That is our heart as the, in the, as the leaders of, this, uh, of our church. We want to see that take place. And our journey with Christ is guided by two key questions. And the first one, the first question, it defines the starting point. And the first question is, where are you? Where are you? I got my pilot's license years ago. My mother-in-law just got her pilot's license. It's so awesome. I'm so proud of her. She doesn't listen to these, but I may need to send this to her so she can hear me publicly to let everybody know she did so awesome. I'm so impressed. And she just got her private and fixing to get her IFR. And, uh, but when you're up in the air, you need to know two things. And the first one you need to know is where are you? The last place thing in the world you want to be is flying along and not know where you're at. That's one of the most dangerous things in the world. And with our relationship with Christ... One of the most dangerous things for us is to not know where we're at, what's going on in our lives. It is so incredibly important. Well, we went on the, in 2008, when we went on the, uh, our big journey and, and went to all of the different churches and just had a blast traveling in the U.S. as a family, we did a lot of cool stuff. We get, did, uh, climbed uh, the Stone Mountain there in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and that was cool. And we did Turner Falls, and we did a lot of cool outdoor stuff. We went snow skiing and all that. But And Cutie kind of went along with that, all the hiking stuff. And so on the, the trade-off is we went and did her exploring. And Cutie's exploring was making sure that if we were in a major metropolitan area, we were finding every mall in that metropolitan area, and we were going to learn the lay of the land. And we learned real quick that if we really wanted to make use of our time, if we really wanted to, to figure out all that, then the first thing we had to do is we hit those doors. Then we, as we're walking through, Cutie's looking at all of the different stores and all the different stuff. And I'm looking for one of those little things that sits out there that says, here you are. That way we know where we're at. One of the first things you have to do is get located. You have to understand where you're at, that you are here. See, in Genesis 3.9, I just think this is just such a pivotal thing. And that's why here at Celebration Church, our discipleship process is guided and instigated by this question. And it never, ever, ever, ever goes away for us. It doesn't go away. It's a constant question we should be constantly asking ourselves. Constantly asking ourselves. And we see it in Genesis 3, 9. It says, but the Lord called to the man, where are you? Now, Adam and Eve had just sinned. 
They had had no interaction with God since they had made the willful decision to disobey God. Now they had no, they had no reason to do it. God had never withheld anything from them. God had never been mean to them. God had never lied to them. God had never done anything other than bless them. They had no reason at all to go out on their own and to take things into their own hands. But they did. They chose it. And they chose to buy into a lie. They chose to be selfishly motivated. They chose to think that there was something more for them than what God was offering. And they took it into their own hands and they ate of the fruit and then realized and their minds awakened. They ate not of, there was the tree of life and then there was the tree, not the tree of death, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's the tree of life and then the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And all of a sudden they realized that there was evil out there. It was there the whole time. Satan existed the whole time. Evil existed the whole time. It wasn't birthed there. But their awakening happened. And all of a sudden they've been naked the whole time. No problems. Naked and unashamed. But then when their minds awoke and all of a sudden their minds were flooded with the knowledge of good and evil, they recognized that there was a potentially evil use of the naked form and immediately began to be embarrassed and cover up and hide from God. And God's first interaction, because God immediately stepped into a restorative process with humanity, immediately stepped into a place of bringing us back into right standing with him, from, immediately. And his first statement, his first question that he gave to Adam, he gives to us still to this day, and that is, where are you? Now, was it because God didn't know where Adam was? All of a sudden, Adam, whoop, off his little radar map, whoop. Adam was here. What happened? Where'd he go? He's got to be in this garden somewhere. Adam, Adam, come out, come out, wherever you are. No, he knew. He knew. The question was for Adam. The question was for him to define. And at that point, he makes his first self-defining thing. And his first self-defining statement. And we begin the process of restoration. See, God, constantly we have to honestly answer the question of where are we. The only way that we can get stagnant in our relationship with God is if we quit honestly answering that question. Where are we? See, really, when, when it comes to people getting nervous and squeamish in, in a church seat, these two questions we're looking at today, these are the questions that make people squirm. When you show up and begin to feel the Spirit of God on our lives and people being, get uncomfortable and God's messing with them, one of the two questions he's asking is this first one, where are you? What's going on with you? Where are you? Man, a lot of times we don't like to answer that one. We don't like to pinpoint that one. We like to paint a picture of where we want to be. Well, I'm, I'm going to Dallas. But where are you? I didn't ask where you were going. Where are you? And we have to start there. See, God has repeatedly shown us that where we start matters. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God. He lets us know back where it starts. He lays it out. Same thing with John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. 
the, where we're at, where we start matters. And constantly asking the question, where are you? Helps to define that and to keep us on track. See, we learn some good lessons from these handy little tom-toms and newbies and all of these things because they get there constantly asking that question. Where am I? Where am I? And it's bouncing off the satellite constantly. Constantly. And because it's always finding out where it is, then it can begin to answer the next question. And the next question is, the next question defines the path. Which way forward from here? See, God is taking us forward in Christ. God is moving each of us forward in Christ. And see, and it is so it is so vital that we give one another the room to do this. And I love I love this illustration. John, would you come here? Yes, Norman. I want you to come right here. John Huffman, I want you to come over here. All right. Now, are you ready? All right. I want both of y'all to come to me. All right, stop. Okay. They were headed towards me. Now, right now, if we interview each other, they didn't know that they had missed out. They could, John could only hear what I said to him, and this John could only hear what I said to him. If we were, they were to interview each other, what would they say? Because he said he's coming to Brandon Clark. And what would he say? What would he possibly say about this, John? He's headed the wrong direction. Why? Because to get to Brandon Clark, you've got to go this way. It takes these steps in this direction to get to Brandon Clark. And this guy, his way forward is this direction. Walking it. A lot of times, that's why you and I, we have to, thank you guys, we have to be so, so patient with each other. Because what we want to do is we have this wonderful little moment with God and God begins to direct our steps and then we think everybody has to go that way. When they're where they are may be a different spot. It may be a different place. It's still coming back to Christ. It's still Christ-focused. But this one needs to take this step to get to Christ and this one needs to take this one. And that's why we can't be judging each other. Only I knew if they were really coming to me or not. We have to be so patient with each other because the which way forward can look different for each other. It just can look different. Does that mean it'll be unscriptural? No, it'll always, that'll be the constant. We're going to get to that in a minute. It'll always stay grounded in Scripture. Am I saying every road leads to God? No way. It's Christ and Christ alone. But our, as we begin to take our steps in the discipleship process, as God is working on me and God is working on you, maybe the next step forward looks different for you than it does for me. Maybe your next step forward is to forgive this person you went to high school with that just really, really offended you. And every time you think of that person, your blood can boil. Boom! And you need to deal with that. That's your next step forward. And maybe my next, maybe this other next step forward is somebody else finally needs to begin to trust God with their finances a little bit. And God's saying, you know, trust me. Trust me. Step out and be a blessing to this person. It's okay, I'll meet your needs. It's not in the budget, God. It's not in the budget. But I'm telling you, you're on my budget now. Honor me. And one person is going into forgiveness and another person is honoring God in their finances and, and they're each making steps towards God. We need to make sure and give each other the room 
to move forward. I love Dr. Livingston's quote, the great evangelist explorer. He said, I am prepared to go anywhere, provided it be forward. Man, God is constantly moving us forward. And sadly, I would love it. I would love it if we moved in a straight line. I would so love it if we moved in a straight line, but we don't always move in a straight line. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's look at Philippians 3.14. It says, I go forward to the mark, even the reward of the high purpose of God in Christ Jesus. That's the Bible in basic English. I move forward forward to the mark constantly pursuing christ constantly pursuing what he has that's why in marriage counseling so many times i begin to quit trying to get them to pursue each other and get them to pursue christ if they'll each pursue christ they're going to end up at the same destination they're going to end up unified let's move that direction Let's move closer and closer and closer to that. And we stay focused on Jesus, then we're going to end up at the same place. We're going to end up agreeing in the same thing. Back on that thing, it's not always in a straight line. I love this out of Exodus 13, verses 17 through 18. It says, this is the uh, Moses who had got the people to, and was used by God to, to break them out of Pharaoh's grip. All of the plagues had come and Pharaoh had released them. And they are leaving Egypt. This mass of people are leaving this nation of Egypt. It says, and when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. Now the shortest distance was through the Philistine country. But God was about getting there. So he takes them around. They weren't ready for that. That's why uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to help answer this which way forward from here is so important. That's why when we sit there and we talk and say, man, Brandon, I just, I just want to move forward with God. You know, what should I do? Then I'm not going to sit there and pull out my little handy-dandy, uh, you know, Brandonator 2000 disciple meter and say, well, this is, what you, this is the next step you need to take. What I'm going to do is say, when you pray and we're, you're spending time with God, what is God telling you to do? What is God convicting you to do? Which way is God taking you? And then I'll allow you and the Holy Spirit to then go, man, this is what I need to do. And as long as it stays founded in Scripture, you're not saying, well, you know, I feel like I need to do something crazy. No. As long as it stays founded in Scripture, then we'll let and allow God to lead you forward because that's where you need to move next. And then at that point, I'll hold your feet to the fire and hold you accountable and say, okay, that you said that. The Holy Spirit and God revealed this to you. This is where you need to move forward. And you move forward that direction. It's not always in a straight line. God knows 
what we're ready for. And I honestly think that's why so many times a lot of really well-meaned churches, well-meaning churches, can begin to kind of squish the life out of people because they begin to force people into this step doing this thing just like this. And people weren't, they weren't ready for that. God wasn't leading there. Oh, well, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. And then they find like, boop, I'm out of here. I'm gone. And that's why we have to stay in love and believe that God can speak to those who are his children. And when our hearts are hungry for him, then he guides us and allow the Holy Spirit to move us forward. Now, this next passage lets us know that we have to make sure that we are purposing to pursue God and move forward in that direction because people can move forward in a totally wrong way. And 2 Timothy 3.13 says, But evil men and pretenders will go forward to worse, leading astray and being led astray. We need to make sure that our hearts are tender to God. We are moving in some direction. We are either moving closer towards God or we are drifting and moving away towards God. That's why he's called the river. You don't stay stagnant. You don't stay in one place. It is constantly this flow. We're either going forward or we're going backward with God. We have to stay in this place of choosing to move forward with Him. So, since we, since we know these, these two questions, where are we? And which way forward? What is my next step? What do I need to do? Then now we need to know where these answers come from. And we get the answers to these questions by looking to God's Word. That's why this book is so incredibly important. That's why there's throughout history, Satan has fought this book over and over again because it is God's promise to us. It is His covenant. It it lays out the truth. It's able to come in and divide between the soul and the spirit. It's able to come in and really figure out where we're at and define where we really are. We have to make sure that we are constantly looking to the Word. When we uh, did that little adventure race thing a few uh, a few weeks ago, then we had, I'd been a long time since I'd done any kind of orienteering, and uh, where you had to like have this topo map and have these coordinates and find your way towards this specified point, and so you have to find this thing that that has these these coordinates, and so we have a map and we have a compass, and then so woo, go find it, go do it. And uh, they gave us a crash course and using the compass and reminded us about what it's about. But then they said, okay, you're out on this couple of thousand acres. If you get off track, look at your map. Here's where north is. You always, This is always north. Look at your map. And there's a road that runs all the way from north to south in this property. Head east and you will find the road. And then you can figure out where you're at from there. If you get lost, come back to a constant. That road doesn't move. It doesn't change. That road is always there. If you get lost or disconnected, always come back 
to that constant. In our lives, the Bible is that constant. That's why we read, we're going through this process, and I encourage you to spend time in it every day. That's why we have the blog entries every day. So that as we're reading through the Bible together, whether you're reading all of it, all the whole portion, and trying to do it all in a year, or you're just reading the New Testament portion, or, or maybe you're just reading some of the Psalms or the Proverbs or something, but that you're putting God's Word in you every day. It's because that is our constant. That is our guide. That becomes an anchor in our lives. This is right out of our belief statement. It says, we believe that the Bible is God's word. It is accurate, authoritative, and applicable to our everyday lives. This isn't just about heaven and spiritual things. This is about our everyday lives. From, from how we dress. Not necessarily which fashion itself to choose, but whether or not the appearance is going to reflect something that's godly or something that's ungodly. From the, the way we talk to the way we integrate with our families to how we serve our boss. Every piece of our lives, the Bible has something to say about it. This is the constant in our lives. It is applicable, completely applicable to our entire our entire lives. Second Timothy 5, 3, 15 through 17 says, And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21 says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came out by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And then Proverbs 30, verse 5 says, Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. So via via the word of God and with the help of the Holy Spirit, these questions of where we are and which way forward get answered. I haven't flown in a long time. I don't have access. It helps when you have access to a free plane. Flying is one of these very expensive hobbies. And then I got my license because I had access to two free planes. So I enjoyed it for the few years that I had access to it. Free planes go away. And it don't fly anymore. And uh, so, uh, but when I was flying, I, I got to the opportunity to, um, to help shuttle some people around. And uh, some of y'all have already heard this story, and you're just going to have to go along with it. But uh, Ruben Ramirez was there on this trip. He knows where I'm going. And uh, anyways, but I had to drop some people off in Del Rio. And uh, of course, Del Rio is south of here. And I'd never been to Del Rio. My first time to be to Del Rio was to fly to Del Rio. And so we're heading to Del Rio. And, of course, it's on that right there, gorgeous, huge Lake Amstead. So we are flying to Del Rio. I get all of my stuff. We take off at Mathis, head over there, zooming over there. And, and uh, the, we get close, and it's a controlled airport. So they are, and this was not long after 9-11. And so everybody was real, still real uptight 
about flying and the borders and all that kind of stuff. They're real uptight about that, and uh, rightly so. And uh, so we're flying, and I'm headed south in the airport. The, the traffic controller guy calls me and uh, you know, says, 6-1 Lima Victor, do you need uh, vectors to the airport? And I said, no, we're just flying, looking at this pretty lake. I've, I've got it. I know where it's at. And he uh, says, okay. So we fly along a little more, flying over the lake, looking at how beautiful it is and seeing the lay of the land. And, and uh, a little bit long, he comes over the radio again, 6-1 Lima Victor, do you need vectors to the airport? And uh, I said, no, no, we're still, we're still looking. I've got it. So we fly along a little more. Doesn't wait near as long. And finally, he's very angry and gets on the radio and calls out to me and tells me immediately to turn. And so in the, the heading he wants me to turn is directly opposite the heading I was going to turn to land at the airport. And so I'm, I'm stopped. I'm thinking. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. And I've got my little sectional there, and I'm looking at my sectional, and I see the lake, and I see where the airport is supposed to be. And so, a man, he finally tells me, turn now. And so I just, I could tell, I mean, I just had visions of them scrambling jets, and I was about to, the Rio Grande was right there. I was about to be in Mexico airspace, and I'm this little squatty plane, and, and uh, they were not messing around. And so I just obey. And I just turn, and then right as I do it, boom, there's the airport on the wrong side of the lake. I mean, how do you move an entire airport from one side of the lake to the other? That just doesn't make any sense. So we sit there, and I go ahead and land, and we get there, and I'm looking at my sectional, and I realize my sectional, of course, is laid out like every map, north. And I was flying south. And I had to turn my sectional. Should have had my sectional upside down. And when I turned it upside down, whoa! That's where the airport is. It was right where they said it was. I learned real quick. I'd never flown due south before. That's my first time. And uh, I learned in a hurry. I didn't get shot out of the sky. And I got picked on for a long time about that. And... uh, but the way you are, all of those things make a difference. We have that constant. We have that, that sectional was letting me know. Here's the lake. Here's the airport. Here's all that. But guess what? There was a little guy in my ear, the air traffic controller, who was helping me to discern if maybe I wasn't picking everything out quite right. And the air traffic controller is very representative of the Holy Spirit who is helping the guy to make sure that I am rightly defining the word of God, the word of truth. That map was the truth. It actually sat in that little corner of the lake. It really did. I was just holding it upside down. And you know what? We have to make sure that's why we don't need, it's not just where we need to embrace the ministry of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit guides us on a daily basis. John 14, 26 says, But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, with whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. John 16, 13 says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. We so need the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we have the, the word of God, 
the truth and the spirit active in our lives, then we can answer those questions of where are we and which way forward from here. We have to honestly, honestly answer those to keep moving forward with God. And this morning, I want to give an opportunity. We just want to just create a little moment here. And if everybody would please just bow your heads and close your eyes. Then I need to ask all, I need to ask everybody under the sound of my voice, where are you with God? Where are you? Are you in right standing with God? And it's not, 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 